Welcome in Car Chronicle podcast coming to you on an unseasonably warm Wednesday here in Louisville, Kentucky. Mike Rutherford and Danny Sennard once again talking Cardinal sports. I thought we were done with 80 degree weather, but uh, we're not. It's like 83 degrees here. I don't know. In Columbus, Ohio, what's the weather like, Dan? It's perfect. It's like not overwhelmingly hot, not too cool. I'm, I'm trying to give my kids a heads up to really embrace the weather although like i mean i don't even know like what age it was where i like really started caring about the weather maybe like late high school i don't know i just like went through life without ever thinking about the weather for any reason but um yeah i i hope they know that they got it good right now because i'm sure at least up here when it turns it turns quickly i think the first time that i ever said out loud and like not ironically, I did it like instinctually. We really needed this rain. That was when I knew like you're done. Like you're never gonna do anything cool in your life. There's <laughs> five different stages of life, and the one where you say we really needed this rain is the one that's right before death. So like that's all that's left. I, I'm gonna die, and this is the stage that I'm in until then. So there you go. I, that's fine. Like when I first started hanging out with my now wife, like. I never really like check the weather too much. And like she checked it maybe every like 10 minutes. And I was like, is this actually going to work out? Like, what <laughs> is this what people do is check, check the weather all day. I'm kind of confused, but I guess, yeah, now that, uh, you know, we have a house, we got to keep the yard up. I guess it's a, it's a little more important, but usually the only time I checked it was for outside, you know, Louisville football games or if I was going to a Reds game or something like that. Kim being a big weather person is the least surprising thing I've ever heard. Oh God. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I'm like, she's like nudging me. She's like 30% chance today. It's going down. I'm like, (laughs) okay, here we go. A rousing start to the podcast here as we spend two minutes talking about the weather, taking me, throwing me back to the old radio days. But uh, it's kind of symbolic of the fact that, not a whole lot going on in the world of sports. We don't have a really sexy storyline like we did last week with the Chris Mack and John Calipari back and forth. Um, football game Friday against Georgia Tech is obviously big. We'll talk more about that uh, with Keith Wynn on the second pod this week about what the Yellow Jackets do well, what they don't do well, and how big that game is for Louisville. Um, I, I guess we'll start with this more just kind of friendly banter. We had a bye week last week. Uh, I asked some people to submit what they did on their bye weeks. The responses were, were pretty funny. It was for a, a post that's going to go up later on, I think, today. Uh, what did the Sonards do? No Louisville football last weekend. We both were grieving the uh, the Cincinnati Reds' dismal performance to end the week. What, what were you guys up to last weekend? Yeah, Saturday. Um, it was, a, I mean, a pro move by me on a bye week going to getting the pumpkin patch out of the way and done with so um we hit up the pumpkin patch it was phenomenal the kids had a good time um so yeah did what i had to do i watched the preakness lost some money there um so yeah all in all kind of kind of took it easy didn't really do a whole lot what about you uh we had um we actually had gotten the pumpkin patch out of the way earlier in the week which was nice and again I mean, Virginia's one, so it's not like she really is keeping tabs and all this stuff. You've got the older kids. And I should say, at some point, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about uh, your son, Cam, being like, like the best five-year-old or six-year-old athlete in the entire world. Like, that kid is a – he's on a different level. You, you set highlights. I mean, he is what, – what does he have now? Seven flag football touchdowns on eight touches? 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, he's six. He's playing with six-year-olds. Uh, granted, he, he he he's doing well, and I, I I'm you know I'm proud of him, but I don't want to give him too big of a head right now. He already he's not listening. He's... To the he's not listening to the podcast, Dan. I don't know how many times you have to, to mention him before you realize. He's... I know he's six. God, he's six. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, he he's uh, he's doing really well. Um, it's believe me. When I was six, I, I, I guess I thought I was athletic, and I was actually asking my dad about this because I was sending him highlights of uh, my son's couple touchdown runs that he had. I was like, I mean, I thought I was pretty fast, but I don't think I was as fast as Cam. And he was like, no, Dan, no, you weren't as fast <laughs> as Cam. You weren't anywhere close, bud. Keep dreaming. So I was like, all right, good sign. You definitely weren't fast, but I mean, you know, we played baseball together growing up and basketball together. You played, we mentioned last uh, podcast, even though it was a story about you getting torched by uh, Rajon Rondo, like you played basketball, you're a, a decent athlete. And I know Kim is a really good athlete. You guys are both pretty tall. It shouldn't be shocking that Cam's like setting the world on fire right now, but uh, I'm excited to see down the line just how much of a like prospect he becomes. What if we like made him a U of L signee just based on the podcast? Yeah, no, I like I always wonder that predicament like it's like the predicament every parent like dreams of. It's like, man, if my kid was like good enough, um, this is God. I just get off into la la land on some of this stuff. I'm like, but if my kid was good enough, like, would I want him to go to U of L or if like he was being like recruited by, you know, I don't know, like who, whatever Nick Saban, like would I want him to go there? Um, you know, so uh, we're we're <laughs> we're a long way. Um, but he, he is, uh, he's fun to watch and you'll understand once Virginia gets older, it's, it's, it's wild watching just how fast they grow. I mean, Virginia is 99.8 percentile in height and 99.6 percentile in weight for uh, for one year old. So maybe Cam, she'll be blocking for Cam as like a freshman when Cam's a senior. <laughs> she'll be an ex. <laughs> She's gonna, she's gonna be an ex if she plays grade school football. She's gonna be like the starting center. She won't be allowed to carry the ball. Uh, God, yeah, she's she is a hoss. Uh, I think just <laughs> judging by me and Mary, she's probably that's gonna even out. Like that's gonna stop pretty soon here. She'll stop growing at like five, and then she'll yeah, be for the rest of her life. The only, she, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say she's adorable. She she's uh, like you said, she'll even out here. The only, uh, the only kind of, I guess, new. I don't even want to know if we should call it big Louisville sports news. Uh, came out today. Again, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. But three teams. We talked about this Louisville bubble. Um, the non-conference scheduling for basketball has been, I mean, kind of a clusterfuck across the country. But Louisville has had its own share of issues. We talked about uh, in September. Chris Mack comes out, says they want to host this bubble. They want to have, I think he said, eight to twelve teams playing five to six non-conference games. Um, I'd mentioned I'd heard through the grapevine Louisville's had a little bit of a, a, a problem getting teams to commit to this event. We found out today three teams have signed on to play uh, in this event. They are Duquesne, UNC, Greensboro, and Winthrop. Not the, the the sexiest trio in the entire world, but three teams that all won 21 or more games last year. Winthrop uh, won the Big South Conference. They were going to play in the NCAA tournament if there had been uh, Duquesne. Um, they were pretty good in a pretty good Atlantic 10 last year. Their coach is Keith Dambrot, who 
maybe best known for being LeBron James, his high school coach at St. Vincent St. Mary. He kind of parlayed that into the Akron job, did well there, and now has done a, a real good job at Duquesne. UNC Greensboro has been good for the last few years. Um, Wes Miller is a, a rising star in coaching. A lot of people think he might be the next UNC head coach but they lose a decent amount from last year's team. So um, Chris Mack said that more teams are going to be added in the, the weeks and the days ahead. The event's going to begin on November 25th, so that's going to kick off the season. Um, again, those three teams aren't aren't teams that are going to get the fans like going crazy uh, like you would expect, but at least it's a start. But uh, DePaul, invitation's out. Do something. <laughs> we, we need to see you in this. But I, I don't know. The scheduling situation's really weird to me because we know that they're going to play – one game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We assume they're going to play Kentucky since both coaches had that back and forth. But then there was that story about um, that there needs to be a certain amount of time between ACC games. It doesn't sound like the December 26th date might work. Who knows? But if we're all assuming that it's going to be Kentucky, a Big Ten team, and then I guess three or four games in this tournament that only leaves a couple of spots left. I don't know. The whole thing is just an absolute mess. Are you excited about the fact, though, that at least we're getting some – some tangible things to hold on to. Like it makes, it makes it feel like basketball is real, even though it should feel like that. Cause we're only a month and a half out here. I agree. And like, gosh, the, like you said, I think we got 49 days or something until the season starts. It's, it's just like you said, with the way the schedule is so in flux, it doesn't even feel real yet. Um, like it always feels real to me. Like when I, you know, go to Kroger and they have like the actual like schedules I can like put up like in an office cubicle or something like that. That's when I'm like, all right, here's a schedule. I love to go through it like one by one and count the wins and losses. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're trying to get more teams to join this bubble. Um, I mean, like you said, the three that we got aren't the sexiest, but uh, all, I mean, you know, 21 teams from last year, that's nothing to sneeze at. So I think that'll be, good for us heading into conference play. I want to go back to what you said, the guy who parlayed being LeBron James high school coach into a head coaching job. Like imagine like going to your first practice and LeBron is there. Someone's like, all right, Bob, I heard you got someone pretty good on your team. You're like, well, practice hasn't started yet. So we'll have to really check this kid out. And then just watching LeBron, like absolutely, you know, plow through everyone that had to be a, like one of the most surreal experiences, probably all, all time for that guy. He was, he was very aware of LeBron James way before the first to the first freshman practice. There's a, um, a documentary on, I think it's on Netflix where it's kind of shoddily put together. It's not like you can tell it's not high budget, but they interview all of like LeBron and all of his boys, like that, uh, that group of four kids that made St. Vincent St. Mary so good. And like, there was like a, like everybody knew that, that LeBron was going to be a stud from when he was like 10 years old on. Um, and there's like a huge fight about what high school they were going to go to. And yeah, this guy was just the, the, the huge winner and all of that. And it is crazy. That's the way that things work. If you, if you become a, a guardian or an AAU coach with some kid who winds up being this like five-star talent when he's 12 years old, you can somehow parlay that into a high school job and then you can get an assistant coaching job in college. And then, you know, 15 years later, you can be the head coach of a relatively high profile D one program. It's all, I mean, it's, it's all so slimy. Yeah. It's so slimy. Oh, yeah. Like it, it just feels so weird, but I mean, I guess look where this guy is now. He probably never dreamed of it. So, um, yeah, I, I would say good for him, but it just feels wrong. You mentioned like the, the the schedule posters coming out and all that stuff. It is so weird to be talking about 
college basketball being this close, less than 50 days out. We don't even know, like, not only do we not have schedules for really any teams right now, we don't even know, like, how the NCAA tournament's going to work. There's been nothing definitive there. It, it was like, I mean, you know, we're halfway through the college football season, or at least, you know, some teams are. Other teams haven't even started yet. There's still no real clarity about which bowls are going to happen and which bowls aren't going to happen. It's just so weird that, like, like the plan for college athletics has been, well, let's just start. Let, 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 let's see what we can figure out along the way. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. But just to be this close and not, like I saw Athlon, who always does their big, they're, they're one of the publications that always have those magazines um, that come out, Blue Ribbon Yearbook and all that stuff. But Athlon came out and said, we're not doing a college basketball preview this year. Like we can't preview this because we don't know who's playing who or, you know, what transfers are eligible or what's even going to happen. It's all just so, so strange. But yeah. And, and on top of it, I mean, we look at the actual roster, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with our program and, you know, how the playing time is going to be divvied out and, you know, who's going to be in the rotation and who's not. So that first game is going to be like absolutely wild. We're going to be like, okay, like, uh, I I guess we're starting this and like, who's on our team and, oh, this guy's playing this, you know, how many minutes? So uh, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting it, but it'll be very weird i guess yeah i mean you know usually we have you know summer updates we get some clips from practice we have you know, a couple of red white scrimmages we get the two exhibition games and this year it's gonna be like i guess we're doing this like who's who's that guy again like oh charles Minlin. like didn't even know what he looked like until just now he's, he's our starting guard it's gonna be it's all going to be very strange but that's okay um i i did one thing before we get into twitter questions from today is it okay like I'm kind of torn on this, and I, I shouldn't be because I already committed to it on Saturday night. But I bet we were out to dinner with friends for a, a friend's birthday. We went to a, that steak and bourbon place, which is in Westport Village. Uh, it was where Arasano used to be. It's like it's been five different things over the last seven years. Good place. Check it out. Stephen Vantrese was there. That's how you know it's good. Um, but the Kentucky game, we watched it on our phones, like right when we got to the very end of it. I know that they've beaten us pretty badly two years in a row. I know that we're not exactly off to a rousing start, but I still feel like all things considered, that type of performance is okay to mock if you're a rival fan. The LJ Rose getting caught from behind after celebrating oh, and then falling. What a moment. Play. What a moment. God, that Luke was fantastic. An extra point. Stoops chasing the refs out at, off the field, putting on his mask to like try and fight them. Like It's impossible not to at least take a, a quick rivalry jab at that. Am I wrong? No, and I mean, even if UK is having good years, you know, for their program and maybe, you know, are a step above of where we're at at the time, they they still give us material somehow that, oh, yeah. it, like, you know, that losing to Tennessee 41 out of 42 times or, you know, we got the LSU Hail Mary, we got, you know, this past weekend – the running back, you know, holding up the deuce as he's, you know, getting tackled at the one and then fumbling two plays later. So it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. I'm not going to, you know, mock them and say that they're an awful football team. I, I being a real set of rules for the bowl games or the 
postseason college football this year. They did say that you don't have to have a winning record to be uh, in a bowl game this year. You don't even have to like have any sort of record. So my only fear with this is let's say Kentucky goes like three and seven or two and eight, and they play us in a bowl game, and we're you know I don't, I don't know seven and four, um, whatever our record would be. Like I, I, that game would be more nerve wracking to me than if we both were like <laughs> eight three. Like, I don't I don't want to I don't want Kentucky to have like a historically disappointing season when they all thought they were going to be good and then maybe lose to them in a bowl game. That would be the worst thing of all time. But besides that. The pointing and laughing. It was an, it was a much needed pick me up Saturday night, and I had to send the tweet out. I made fun of the fact that you know Mark Stoops before the season started a couple of weeks ago, like kind of took a not so thinly veiled shot at Louisville, saying you know you're not like some of these games I've been watching. You're you're not going to see defenses in the wrong position, guys like running wide open. Like you're not going to see that in the SEC. Well, lo and behold, on like the most important play of the game. Kentucky has 10 guys on the field on defense. They're, you know, once again, leaving dudes wide open. So I couldn't help but point that out. And, of course, UK fans didn't take that overly well. But what are you going to do? Uh, it's Saturday night. I had a couple of drinks. I'm at dinner. Nothing like battling fans on Twitter when you're a, a little bit inebriated. So it is what, what it is. Uh, so uh, this is uh, Mark Stoops. I honestly, like, I mean, every UK coach, I, I try to have some sort of bone to pick with them. And like for the first couple of years, I I honestly really didn't have a bone there to pick with him too much. But the last like year and a half, he's kind of started to rub me the wrong way. It just might be um, the longevity that he's been there. Um, it could be I don't know. It just it seems like the players there, even the coaching staff, they they run their mouth a ton. Um, and then like you said, yeah, I mean it obviously uh they're cocky it kind of came back to to bite them this week but i'm glad that i'm kind of starting to build up a little bit of a hatred as far as on the field for mark stoops maybe something that i haven't felt um the past couple years it's the cockiest program in america that doesn't have a top 10 finish since the 1960s or whenever it was with the the national title they try to claim i mean the between like cash daniel and like the, the constant l's down like all this shit like i don't know it, I, I can't even name who they beat in their bowl games. I think it was Virginia Tech. <laughs> I don't know what game it was, but like they're like, oh my god, we want we beat Penn State in the was it the Outback? I, I have no idea like what games it were. I couldn't even tell you their records. All I know is they've been a little bit better than us in the last couple of years. Certainly they were in 2018. But besides that, it's like I, I don't know where this just like bravado comes from. It's 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 all very strange, but. Again, it's Kentucky football. It is what it is. It is what it's always been, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, do you want to answer some questions from Twitter? Yeah, let's get at it. Uh, the very first question, which is kind of funny because I know that there's a Dan in the Dump story related to this because we've talked about it via text this past week. But um, let's see, Mr. Shrub was asking, uh, what's our go-to Halloween movie? Oh man, go to Halloween movie. Um, I'll let you go first. I got to think about this. My go-to, see, I, I feel like there's, it's kind of a different question. If it's like go to Halloween movie or go to like horror movie, my favorite. I'll answer this way. Like, I really like Night of the Living Dead, the the original. Um, George A. Romero. Like it comes on. I feel like it's always on the night before Halloween, and I always end up watching it. It's low budget, but it kind of creeps me out in, in a good way. Hocus Pocus, I guess, is the obvious answer. We, I feel like my wife and I watch that every single year. It's kind of nice little nostalgia from our um, from our past. And I'll admit this on the podcast. I don't care. Um, I, I'm a dumb person. I'm not afraid. I've made that abundantly clear over the years. <laughs> but 
I was, I don't think I was married yet. I was pushing 30. I was way too old. I'll put it that way. I always thought growing up watching this movie that the setting was Salem, Oregon and not Salem, Massachusetts. Like, I mean, which is the stupidest thing in the entire world because Salem witch trials are in Massachusetts, obviously. Like, that's the whole background of the movie. And I was just thinking, well, the kid lived in L.A. You know, Max is from Los Angeles. He's Hollywood. They just went a little bit up north. They, they, they just moved to Oregon. And it, I was, like, probably 28, 29 when it clicked for the first time. Like, you are a fucking idiot. Like, they're they're in Massachusetts. This is a not a normal mistake. I, I make about 20 of those mistakes a year where I realize right. I've been wrong for 20 years. But, I mean, I don't – so since – since I I've been married to my wife, she's not a big scary movie person. So I've really like cut back on the amount. Like I used to watch them like growing up. Like I love Halloween. Like the big one in high school that I mean I I I loved. And now looking back, like talk about a movie that does not hold up was Scream. Um, yeah. Like I just you know I feel like that was always on in my high school years. People said that I look like Stu slash Matthew Lillard. Um, yeah. So I, 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 uh, I love that. But yeah, I would say, you know, I enjoyed, you know, uh, I, I would probably say Halloween. It's a classic. You no, know, um, I'm not really a big scary movie guy. So it's probably a boring answer. Do you remember like how big of a, a deal scream was when we were in grade school? Like It was huge. Like, it was huge. Like fifth and sixth grade or whenever that came out, it was like the, it was like akin to seeing a playboy. Like that was a scream. <laughs> Nev Campbell was coming off wild things. Oh yeah. Um, or she, and, and like, she was basically like the next Jennifer Lawrence. Um, you know, we were like, Oh my God, it's Nev Campbell. We had Drew Barrymore, uh, Rose McGowan. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a star studded cast there in the, uh, late nineties. I mean, before you'd seen it, like, I think everybody had heard through the grapevine, their friend of a friend of a friend. They're like Drew Barrymore's in the movie. Cause Drew Barrymore was a big deal too at that time. And that she dies in the first scene. And the way this scene got hyped up, like it was, I don't know, I don't even know. I don't know what to expect the first time I sat down. And you had to find like a, a bad friend with lax parents that, uh, for you to be able to watch the house. I'll never forget it. Shout out to Zach Sanders if he's listening to the podcast. Watch it now. I'm 12 years old. Terrified. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I was like, I feel like you were a lot more mature than I was uh, when we were the same age. And uh, when I, I saw that, that, when I saw, when I saw that first scene for the first time, like I was terrified. I mean, I, I legitimately, I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it at night. Um, you know, someone being like actually in the house, obviously Drew Barrymore could not have handled the situation worse by staying on the phone <laughs> with the guy. Um, but yeah, a- absolutely dynamite movie and actually some funny parts to it too. We were talking, I mean, the, the lead in there that I was referring to, you had been asked to make, your kid had requested a spooky story from you this week. And apparently you made it so spooky that he hasn't been able to sleep all week. And now he wants you to, to play a, a kid-friendly spooky movie. And your response was, what if I just played him the first scene from Scream and then filled in the reaction? Which, I, I mean, I would love it. I, I don't know how your wife would feel, but... I don't know if there's a kid-friendly movie that's going to like. I, I I love that you like immediately after horribly failing your first Halloween parent uh, task this month, you just like you deferred completely to us. You're like, hey, what's a good movie to show my kid? I was like, I'm not answering this. 
yeah, no, my my wife would definitely not be thrilled if I, <laughs> if I threw on the first scene. Not only because obviously he's not allowed to watch it, but with you know, uh, even for a six year old, that you know, that's probably a little heavy. He's gonna be having nightmares for a year. Uh, yeah, but like I would love to see the reaction, but I couldn't do that to my little guy. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Chastity says, does our win over WKU mean less now that we've seen them struggle with Liberty and Middle Tennessee? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, if you look at, it's not just that. I mean, the, we haven't even talked about the fact that Pitt, who we were hailing as kind of a, I don't want to say good loss last week, but we definitely gave their defense a lot of respect and recognized the fact that they were unbeaten in the top 25. They turn around, they lose to NC State, who's not very well regarded. I think the fact that they played that game and that WKU has struggled that much, um, it, it definitely makes me a little bit more concerned uh, moving forward. I'm curious to see how Miami fares against um, Clemson this weekend. I know they beat the brakes off Florida State, but Florida State looks like a total dumpster fire. By the way, Florida State names Jordan Travis, the former Louisville quarterback, as their starting quarterback. He played pretty well last week against, I think it was – uh, Jacksonville State or whoever they were playing. Uh, they'll play us on the 24th, and you'd assume Travis is probably going to be their quarterback when he uh, when he faces the cards. But seeing the way that Louisville's first few opponents have fared in the other games make you a little bit more nervous for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, and I'm not even a big, like, you know, uh, oh, if this team beat that team, then they should, you know, the next week beat the team, you know, like kind of cross-referencing everything. Like, I hate doing that because – these kids are in college, you know, they're 17, 18 years old. Uh, they're, they come out with a different energy level every single week. You can win any week, you can lose any week. I, I get all that, but it, I would be lying if I say it didn't concern me a little bit, um, especially with kind of how we looked the two weeks after that combined with Western Kentucky's performance so far. But yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, you know, that I know Pitt did lose to NC State. Um, but if, if we come out and lose to Georgia Tech, then I, I think we really got to evaluate, you know, what's going on and what's wrong. Um, but right now I'm not going to throw up too big of a red flag just yet. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I'm t- totally right there with you. If we lose to Georgia Tech, the whole two, like just mood of the podcast is going to be very, very different next week. And yeah, that's not something I'm willing to think about right now. Um, my guy Ryan says, what's your all's favorite piece of memorabilia from a UofL sporting event? One of those massive cups from the Yum Center, a t-shirt thrown by a ladybird, etc. cetera. Uh, do you have an answer, Amon? Memorabilia from the Yum Center. Uh, no, just say I mean, general. Oh, I had like a, a really nice guy, like, uh, gave me a 1986 Coke bottle from UofL's second uh national championship and i still have that displaying in my basement and it's uh it's cool it's one of those like throwback coca-cola bottles that has like the entire schedule uh written out on it and then says like 1986 national champs um so yeah i forget the guy just some random guy that i met through work and he had one and said he would be willing to give it to me but um yeah i'd say that's uh, no, I, I literally met this guy. I actually told him I was friends with you and he's like, Oh man, I like, I love it. I, I read the blog. I listen to his radio show. 
And I was like, oh, cool. He's like, hey, man, I'll be here tomorrow. I got something for you. And, like, I didn't know what he was bringing. He's like, here, I want you to have this. And I was like, all right, thanks. So um, it was down in Danville, Kentucky. So uh, whoever this guy is, I, I, I appreciate it. It's still uh, it's in my bar in my basement. Couldn't even learn his fucking name. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I hope he's listening to this. I mean, yeah. if he's fan, he probably is. Uh, that's going to be great. What if he asks, I'll be hitting up and ask for it back. I, I know. I, now I'm nervous. I'm like, actually, I do know his name. I just don't want to say it on the air. No, I really don't. Um, you know, like I said, the guy was a nice guy. But, yeah, if he asks for it back, I'm going to have to change my number. Oh, man. Um, I've got some cool stuff over the years just from, you know, working – with U of L stuff. The coolest thing though, and this is, I know I talked about it when it happened, um, but shout out to my former uh, co-host, John Ramsey. He, uh, very generous guy. Obviously he's got a shitload of old school Muhammad Ali memorabilia. I mean, his basement is just decked out. He's got the robe that he wore for like the thrill of Manila, all this stuff. But he, remember for the orange bowl, um, Muhammad Ali came out. He and Arnold Palmer and uh, Dwayne Wade did like the coin toss at midfield and he was wearing a, a Michael Bush number 19 jersey. Well, originally yeah. they gave him like this uh, this Louisville number one jersey to wear. And he said he, he kind of he knew the story of Michael Bush being injured and how Bush was going to like lead the team out in the field. And he wanted to wear a 19 jersey. So John got to keep the um, the, the, the original Muhammad Ali jersey, the number one Louisville jersey that he was going to wear for that game, got him to autograph it and uh, get, ended up giving that to me. So I've got that, which is very cool. Uh, has a mysterious yellow stain on it. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> it kind of smells. My wife's tried to get it out before we get it framed and we put it up in our basement. But um, even despite that stain, very cool. Shout out to John Ramsey. Uh, yeah. Not as cool as the 86 Coke bottle from somebody I, I, whose name I don't know, but cool nonetheless. No, another uh, – and this isn't a memorabilia thing, but one of the cooler things like being tied to L that, that's happened to me, when I was in first grade – um, one of Louisville's assistants, they're actually, it's like, I put us on probation. I believe it was Larry Gay's daughter, um, was in our class and like each week it's like special student week. And I'll, I'll never forget. Like, I thought I was really cool. Cause like at, at the time my grandpa worked for the Reds and I like brought in like pictures of me and like Reds players and like Tommy Lasorda throwing me like batting practice at Dodger Stadium and like no one cared there in first grade no one knew who Tommy Lasorda was <laughs> well anyways for for hers she literally brought in Cliff Rozier, Dwayne Morton, Greg Miner, and I, I believe Keith Legree, um, all to the classroom. And like, they like hung out with us for like an hour. Um, and I got my picture with them. So uh, like, that was one of my earliest UofL moment, like memories growing up that I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Keith Legree, fucking trader. Never forget. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Since he trader. I do love like every now and then I love hearing like your, cause your kid, Cam is getting old enough to kind of understand grass sports but like you talked about how when billy hamilton left the reds he just like that doesn't process at a certain age like that was me with keith Legree. like when we had to because we played cincinnati i think when he was playing for them and he lit us up and like my however old we were six seven eight year old mind just did not compute like if you played for louisville you played for louisville like what the what the fuck's going on uh yeah and i'll never forget that was the first like player who kind of broke my heart as a kid yeah, I mean, he, he was good. Those, those early 90s teams, I mean, like, they had tons of talent on them. So, I'm oh, sorry about the dog. 
Shout out to Pippa in the background. Um, uh, Terry, yeah. we love Pippa. Terry uh, says, if Louisville's offense still struggles on Friday, is Malik Cunningham still the team's best option moving forward? Um, I mean, it's a fair question. If Malik has been not as good as we hoped he would be, as we thought he would be through the first three games of the season, I don't know how much of the blame you put on uh, him alone. I don't know how much of the blame you put on the offensive line or just, you know, defense is figuring out the scheme. But Georgia Tech's a team that's giving up 33 points per game. Um, it should not be a defense that is nearly as much of a test as Pitt was. And if, if Malik struggles again and it's clearly – him he's just missing wide open guys or he's making poor decisions or he's you know taking unnecessary risks I mean I think that you still probably go with him for at least another week after that you see how he, he does against Notre Dame you don't want to throw Evan Conley uh on the field for the first time as the starter against Notre Dame um I guess Jawan Pass technically would still be in that mix but I don't think he's really uh an option right now I don't know how involved he is with with anything um T Webb's on the roster as well the the true freshman I feel like my, I guess my answer to the question is is no. If he doesn't play well against Friday, I think he's still your guy against Notre Dame. If he plays really poorly and you're, I mean, God, like if the team is two and three or, or one and four going into that Florida State game, that's when maybe you make a move and start thinking about the future because um, Florida State is, is not very good this year. But that's, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping he plays better. I'm hoping he plays well. But I think if he even plays an average game on Friday, he's still your guy moving forward. Uh, would you I, have a, a short leash? I wouldn't have a short leash. I think he's earned the right. Granted, I don't think Pitt was his best game as we talked about last week. Um, but we just, re- I mean, I know we saw flashes of Evan Conley last year. Um, you know, what he could do, especially that Wake Forest game. But I don't think we've seen enough. Um, obviously, we don't know what goes on in practice, but we haven't seen enough to merit him, you know, take that job away from Malik, even with a couple bad games. However, I will, this, my bold prediction for the week is I think Evan comes in and gets a couple snaps in the Georgia tech game. For some reason, I just feel like Scott might be a quarter, might be a coach that wants to keep the quarterbacks fresh a little bit. And he hasn't got Evan on the field yet. And I could see him getting in for maybe a drive or a couple snaps here or there. I, I can see that, too. It is kind of weird when you think about last year. I don't think Malik played a full game at quarterback until, like, November, um, if that. Like, he it, like he didn't start the first two games of the year. He got injured. He got dinged up in, in a bunch of his first few starts. And then even when he didn't, there were a couple of times where he was just playing poorly, and they started rotating Evan Conley. And, I mean, Conley had maybe the biggest play of that win over Wake Forest with the long run. And it was kind of working in a weird way. It wasn't planned, but going with multiple quarterbacks sort of worked out for us real well last year. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you're right. If there are like maybe like one series scripted for Evan Conley and he gets on the field for the first time. But regardless, I, I think that they still have a lot of confidence in Malik and I'm expecting him to play pretty well Friday night. If he doesn't, then I think you definitely start sounding the, uh, the alarm bells at least a little bit there. Um, let's see here. Mikey says, uh, I'm a freshman away from home for the first time in college. Were you guys in frats? Would you recommend joining a frat? Doesn't say what college he's in. Um, you and I kind of have different perspectives. You did join a fraternity when you went to UK. I was never a fraternity guy. Um, when you look back at your college experience, would you recommend uh, being fratastic? 
I can feel like people judging me through my phone right <laughs> yes, now. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, what a yeah, like, what, what an asshole, what a loser. Um, do I recommend being in a frat? Well, here's the deal. So I went to Dayton with you, obviously my freshman year, and then I I transferred to UK my sophomore year, and luckily, like. Most of the guys with the frat I joined were already in the fraternity. So it was just, it it wasn't like one of those things where, you know, I was joining to to make new friends. I was really just kind of, you know, joining to hang out with the friends I already have. Um, But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I I wasn't like a big rah-rah frat guy. Like I was, I was more known for like being the basketball guy. Um, you know, uh, people kind of, you were like, Hey, you know, we, we want him to come join fraternity cause he's decent at basketball, but that was pretty much it. I didn't really offer too much else to the fraternity. You did not want to answer that question. You did not. I did not. No, no. I, I mean, like everyone's a different person. I'm not going to tell someone what to do or what not to do. Maybe they meet some cool people that are interested in joining fraternity and he wants to hang out with them. I have no idea. It's kind of, kind of his thing. I'll say this, like he says in the tweet, uh, away from home for the first time, which leads me to believe that he's uh, away and doesn't like not with a bunch of friends at college. And if you're in that situation, I totally don't fault anybody for joining a frat. Um, Like my brother went to uh, Miami of Ohio, which, again, sounds like the frattiest. He's the frattiest person of all time. But he really like if you know Oliver, like he's the total opposite of that, like not a, a frat guy at all. And he didn't like college his first, I guess, year and a half and then joined a fraternity because one of his uh, old dorm roommates did. And that wound up being a really good thing for him. Like, if you don't if you need that experience, like, I'm totally I I completely understand that. Um, It just wasn't for me. But I'm with you. Like, teach their own. Whatever makes you happy. Go for it. Just don't join one of the really creepy whatever friends. No, I would say me and you, we have some friends who maybe were against fraternities as they were growing up and then happened to join fraternities and their attitude and everything changed the second they did. I don't, I I would hope you don't lump me in that category as someone who changed whenever they joined a fraternity. Not at all. That's very, uh, I think that person knows who we're talking about, but, um, yeah, anyways, it happens. Oh, uh, let's see here. Um, I won't read the exact tweet here because it's kind of mean, but somebody wants to to know our thoughts on uh, the Courier Journal sports staff and things. Have, it's so different now, like the local sports media coverage than it was. I mean, when I was just getting started with the blog, like, I remember every single morning I would get up, I would check the Courier Journal website, and I would check um, like the inside the Ville message board. And now, like I. I don't really do either of those things. Like you kind of get what you need from Twitter. I think that um, Cameron Teague does a really, really good job covering the football team. Shannon Russell, who's the new U of L uh, beat writer for men's basketball, uh, comes highly recommended. I, I've read a couple of her stories early on. My big problem, and I don't know how many people agree with this, Gannett websites in general. Like I just, I can't fucking use them. Like I, I can't. If every time I click on the link, I'm like bombarded. I'm like that old GIF of the, the, the costume character running through the landmines you just get hit with like 55 pop-up ads it's impossible to read anything on these websites that's my biggest issue with the cj like i think they have good people there doing good work um in in the sports department i just i I can't go to the website i've got to like read if i read anything i have to do it on my phone 
Yeah. I mean, it's no secret. Times have changed. I mean, growing up, I read the sports page, the Courier Journal religiously when it was like, you know, 40 and Bozich and then Crawford came along and he was awesome. And then uh, obviously, you know, in the latter years, we had Greer there for a while. Um, And like you said, you know, Shannon Russell and uh, Teague, they both do a good job um, covering their respective sports. But I follow both of them on Twitter. But, yeah, I mean, the the website itself, like I, I honestly – I don't even really think to click on it. I I just get all my information from Twitter. I also I'm an athletic subscriber, so I'll I'll read the athletic as well if if I'm looking for information. But I mean they do do a, a good job. Not to take anything away from you know their you know their talent or writing skills, but it's just you know newspapers in general. It's just a different time than it was you know 15 20 years ago. I love that you said you're a big fan of uh, Sharon Russell's work when her name is Shannon. So really, really I follow her on Twitter. Fan. I swear, I swear, I follow her on Twitter. I was like, I'm gonna butcher this name. Um, Very. Familiar. I mean, she's new. You gotta give me a break. I, yeah, no, I'm just giving you shit. Um, I, I think that's all. Let's see. I'm just trying to scroll through the questions here, make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, oh, Danimal says, what O lineman? Uh, look to step up either later this year or next. Do we expect anyone to leave off this year's football team since everyone in the NCAA said they could come back? And then will we go back to Van Halen on third downs? Yeah. Sad news yesterday, Eddie Van Halen passing away. I did feel kind of, I don't know, like we have all ripped that third down music so long. And I I felt like kind of bad. I was like, do we get to feel bad and praise Eddie Van Halen for passing away when everybody just was so pissed off about that third down music? Maybe we bring it back for the one home game. And uh, whatever our next home game is, I think it's is the Florida State game. Uh, we'll, we'll do it then. But, yeah, it's kind of sad. As far as O-Lyman stepping up, I don't know if you saw this. The Pro Football Focus graded Cole Bentley as, like, the, I think, second or third best offensive lineman from week uh, week four. Like, that was encouraging, but I don't know. Um, Adonis Boone probably needs to be better. Uh, a lot of people thought he could step in and play the Makai Becton on this year's team because he played pretty well in the bowl game and he played well in the, uh, the NC State game that Becton didn't play in last year. That would be my pick there. And as far as guys leaving this year's football team, I've got no idea. Um, I know that technically they all get a year of eligibility back. We could have everybody on this year's team come back for next year, but that's probably not going to happen. I, you're definitely going to lose. I mean, Des Fitzpatrick is definitely going to try his hand at being an NFL wide receiver. No idea what a guy like Javion Hawkins or Tutu Atwell uh, is going to do because – Technically, I guess they both are in their third year of eligibility. Javian's a, a redshirt sophomore. So I think it's too early to have any of those discussions. Uh, do you have any inside info there, Dan? Well, and we talked about this kind of before the season when it comes to the O-line. Um, you know, as far as anyone stepping up from like the current starters that they have, I, I saw the same thing. Um, with you about Cole Bentley, but I just wanted to add something. So all my relatives live in Cincinnati um, and they almost all went to elder high school where Eric Wood graduated from. And also um, one of our freshman O-line, O-lineman who's Luke Condra, I believe is his name. And so when you live on the West side of Cincinnati, it's just kind of like, 
I don't know. It's hard to describe. You're in your own bubble over there. Um, but anyways, last year, last year's elder team, I think, had three big time recruits. A couple of them, including a really good tight end, went to Ohio State. And we nabbed Luke Condor, the O-lineman. And just the way you hear my uncles and cousins talk about this kid, they're like, oh, my God. They say he's going to be, you know, easy fit in the NFL. So, it, you know, I, I take that with about <laughs> with like no grains of salt whatsoever. But um, I, it's encouraging, at least, that we might have a big time prospect on our hands that hasn't even seen the field yet. Yeah, he did get some love. I can't remember the the national recruiting guy who wrote about it, but he wrote a, uh, some story about the guys who are most likely to be first round NFL draft pick three or four years down the line. And he actually threw Luke Condra into that story. The other guy that I point out who's been has been getting big time snaps, Renato Brown, is, is also a redshirt freshman that I think down the line could be really good. He's had eh, some iffy performances so far, but I think you circle him and say you feel pretty good about the O line moving forward long term. When you've got some young guys down there, I mean, you're going to lose uh, Robbie Bell. You're going to lose Cole Bentley. You're going to lose. Um, well, Caleb Chandler will be back. Boone's going to be back. They, they should have enough next year to be better than they are this year. Certainly as good as they are this year. And I mean, we've only played three games, so we still got a, a long ways to go as far as uh, all that good stuff is concerned. Do you have a that's all the Twitter questions again. Thanks to everybody who submitted stuff. Uh, do you have a Dan in the Dump story for this week, or do you want the the spooky story to your kid to suffice? <laughs> the only the only really Dan in the Dumps thing is on Friday, my wife is heading to for a girls weekend um, to the lake house, and I completely forgot that Louisville's game is Friday night. So now I have to get the kids down, um, you know, all before. And I, is the game at seven or eight? I can't even remember. Game's Games at seven. So yeah, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be in a time crunch getting the kids down and making sure I'm watching the game with a bourbon in my hand peacefully um, on Friday night. The only other thing that we have to do here before we get out, and I've, it, it's my fault, I've dropped the ball. We used to always read reviews of the podcast um, to kind of try and, you know, push people towards doing the same thing to try and give you a little nudge in that direction. So we get three new reviews. I, I want to read here. They're short enough. Uh, cards are the best. We love reviews like this. Says great work, greatest sports podcast out there. Appreciate that. Uh, Anthony S85 says Dan in the dumps is the the headline. It says Dan, not sure how you saying you had to put up a new TV because your mini Dan shattered doesn't register as a Dan in the dumps. But anyways, always glad to hear you guys. And then uh, found the truth says glad to find out that Dan has us on a field trip to his dump called 2020. Happy to have someone to blame for all this. I do like the one, the one constant of this podcast has been people blamed you for the basketball team playing poorly when we started doing it. Um, people blamed you for the pandemic because you did that show where the woman was coughing in the background. And now people are blaming you for just the entire year. Like it, we've come full circle. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't phase me. I've been used to it all my life. Uh, I face adversity. <laughs> no, but um yeah, no, I, I, I encourage people to keep leaving the reviews. If you got to throw me under the bus, throw me under the bus. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we love reading the reviews, and we love getting them, and we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, please subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. If you can give us a, a five-star rating and a, write a nice little review, that always helps as well. We have 538 ratings. That's a very, very cool. You guys are always the best. We'll have one more pod this week here with Keith talking about the Georgia Tech game. Then Dan and I will be back again next week to review whatever goes down on Friday. 
Dan, enjoy the weekend. And until we talk to you guys next, go Cards.